1: I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel I've had my share, man. I've been
0: everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa.
2: Welcome aboard. Well, the kids are back in school. Our thoughts turn to travel during the November and December holidays. What? wait, you haven't thought about your travel for the November and December holidays? Well, if you plan to travel, now might be a good time to begin thinking about that. Now, I say this often during the year. I begin this in the spring, because I'm of a belief that a good percentage of us know in the spring where we want to be for Thanksgiving or December holiday stuff. And if you do, it behooves you to book as soon as you can. You'll get the flights you want, you'll get the rates, uh, you'll get better fares. Anyway... Uh, Don't wait to book your airline tickets or hotels for uh, Thanksgiving or December holidays, especially those airline tickets. I'm Rudy Maxa, also known as a savvy traveler, and you're in Rudy Maxa's world where we talk all travel all the time. Nice to have you in the house this weekend. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about a serious warning from Uncle Sam's Department of Homeland Security's National Cybersecurity and Communications Integration Center, also known as NCCIC. In a private warning to hotel groups, the NCCIC cautioned against malware surreptitiously placed on computers in hotel business centers that track every keystroke that every guest types into those computers and relays them to uh, a hacker or a bad guy who can use the guest's sign-in passwords and, God forbid, banking passwords to commit cyber theft. Several arrests have already been made in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. A blogger, Robert McGarvey from MainStreet.com, has details in, oh, I'd just say about two or three minutes. Uh, then we'll uh, meet a New York Times magazine writer who took an old-fashioned road trip across the country with his Labrador mix named Casey. He's got a new book that explores America's love affair with dogs, ties it in with travel, and the title is, logically enough, "Travels with Casey." Then a veteran of the aviation avi- excuse me aviation industry, Marissa Garcia, talks with me about what happens to passengers when airlines start spending more time fussing over cargo than their human cargo, also known as passengers. I want you to hear our travel story of a different sort. It's about millions of Lego blocks washing up on beaches in the United Kingdom. They've been traveling through the world's oceans for 17 years. And that's all I'm going to say about that for the moment. or at 43 past this hour. Plus, our favorite pilot, Patrick Smith, author of Cockpit Confidential, will join to talk about what seems to be the issue du jour, the protocol regarding de- declining your seat... When you're flying coach, what can I tell you? It's all about manners and common sense. We'll see if Patrick agrees. First, a quick look at some of this week's news and travel. Well, the TSA says that half of all airline passengers are now receiving expedited security screening at airports because they've joined TSA's pre-check program. Uh, i got to tell you, I've been on airplanes, I don't know, four times in the last week. I mean, uh, two round trips. It, that seems like a really high number to me. It seems like a lot fewer people in the pre-TSA line than in the regular line. Uh, but the TSA says... Uh, long waits of 20 minutes or longer. Those are long waits these days. Long waits at checkpoints have been reduced by 64% thanks to the TSA pre-check program, or pre-check TSA, I guess it's called. It only takes about 10 minutes to apply for pre-check. You can do it at most airports these days. It costs $85 for a five-year enrollment. But if you travel abroad, even once a year, I'd suggest applying instead for the global entry option. That's different. Global en- entry will allow pre-check. You, gotta, you get that in it. Costs costs 100 bucks, only $15 more. Uh, but it will ex- it'll expedite your entry when you enter the United, return to the United States. It'll get you through U.S. Customs a lot faster. You just put your hand in a fingerprint reader thing, and you go through, and don't have to wait in line. Apparently, we're a traveling kind of country. The U.S. Office of Travel and Tourism says 17% more of us traveled internationally April of this year than April of last year. It's a big, big percentage, 17%. Now it should be noted that Easter and Passover both fell in April this year, it was in March of last year. Most of us, 42%, went to Mexico. 12 of us, 12% of us went to Canada us being Americans, and travel to those countries uh, was up 25% year over year. Next was travel to Europe, followed by travel to the Caribbean. And people are coming here, too. San Francisco's airport became the first in the U.S. to offer a Chinese-language website. I'm sure that will be coming soon to an airport near you. Now, about those hotel business centers, Robert McGarvey is a blogger for MainStreet.com, and he recently posted an item on the danger that lurks for travelers who use hotel business centers. Robert, welcome to the show. Nice to have you back.
3: Thank you, thank you, everybody. Always good to
2: talk with you. Now, I noticed in your piece, you talked about uh, about uh, um, g- guests. So I put that in quote, checking into hotels so they can have access to the business center. I've been to a lot of hotels where you don't even have to have it. You don't have to be a guest. You can walk into the Waldorf Astoria Business Center right off the street, of, right off Park Avenue, and fiddle around in there. And I gather that's what these guys do, right?
3: You're absolutely right. You don't need to be a guest. Anybody can access most hotel business centers, and that's the bad news because a bad guy goes in, uses a, a memory stick, sticks it into the computer, drops malware on the computer, leaves, and then he gets all your information. You, you log into Gmail or your bank account, your retirement account, and that information gets transmitted to him.
2: So, so there's, he could be in a remote, he could be, he could be in Bratislava, for all, all we know, right? I mean, he doesn't have to oh, be sure, anywhere sure. near. So with,
3: with these keyloggers, what you do is you download the, the software, it locks all the keystrokes on the computer. And then, because the computer is part of a network, it transmits the information out to its control, to its bad guy.
2: Unbelievable. He never Look. even
3: needs to go back to it. It's, Wait a minute, forget, it shouldn't go back.
2: forget bank accounts, Robert. They could get into your frequent flyer mileage account. Take your miles.
3: They could, they could do that, Rudy. They That's can get sense. almost anything. And and the bottom line of this is, we we only know morsels from from the Secret Service warning, the Homeland Security warning. But the implication is that pretty much every hotel business center could be compromised. I'm not saying that everyone is compromised, but sure. it could be compromised. And personally, I would not use a hotel business center after reading this morning. I, well, I, it's just too
2: high risk. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, because you can't tell. Uh, you, you walk into a hotel business center. It's not like the, a card reader that's put a, sort of on the outside of the ATM that you might see it looks a little different than your average ATM. You can't tell anybody has put this malware on this computer or in this computer more accurately, right? It's there software. Is,
3: there is nothing that... Uh, any normal person could see. Um, maybe the highest level security professionals could detect it, but you and I and, and your listeners would not detect it.
2: And and I joked about frequent flyer miles, but even if you just go into print it, out your boarding pass, you may have to type in your uh, username and password into an airline site. And once somebody has that, they can go in and, and award themselves tickets using your miles.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, and to me, if you want to use the Hotel Business Center to look up restaurants in sure. Chinatown, San Francisco, knock yourself out. That That's right. perfectly <laughs> safe. Just don't type in username, password to anything that matters to you. If you do assume, someone else is going to get their hands
2: on it. Good advice from Robert McGarvey. Read him at MainStreet.com. Robert, Bob, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Rudy. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. Uh, we're here on your favorite radio station every weekend. By the way, I started a travel newsletter um, last week, which you're welcome, excuse me, last week, 11 weeks ago, 11 weeks now. Um, it's free. It's only once a week. It's highly personal. I write every word myself, as I think I've mentioned on the air before. If you'd like to receive a copy, just send an email to Rudy at com and put subscribe in the subject line. You will read things like this. Robert, maybe you might have missed today's radio show and not heard Robert McGowry's warning about... Uh, hotel business centers. That's the kind of stuff we put in the newsletter. At any rate, stick around. We'll be right back in just a moment. We're going to talk about a guy with a dog who wrote a book about traveling around America. If you're a dog lover, stay tuned.
0: To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025
2: or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding. Instant relaxation, instant tan lines, instant margarita buzz. With the Orbitz Rewards program, the payoff comes just as quickly. Earn free hotels faster when you earn rewards instantly on flights, hotels, and vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. Join Orbitz Rewards today at Orbitz.com rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's Orbitz.com rewards or look under sponsors at RudyMaxa.com.
4: It's time to break up with your current phone. For a limited time, you can get a free 4G LTE phone when you switch to Boost Mobile. That's right, all you have to do is switch. Now don't worry, your current phone isn't gonna be mad at you. Jealous, maybe, but not mad. It doesn't have feelings under that screen. It's just a bunch of parts. Plus, Boost Mobile has plans starting at only $40 a month with unlimited talk, text, and data. Seems like that's something you could take home to mom. So go ahead and leave your old phone for a new phone with a better plan. Your old phone will never know, but your wallet will. Get a free 4G LTE phone when you switch to Boost Mobile. Plans start at only $40 a month with unlimited talk, text, and data, so you never have to hold back. Visit your local Boost Mobile retailer for details. Boost Mobile. Promotion valid until 9-30-14 at participating dealers. While supplies last and only for new monthly activations porting in from non smart related carriers. Free phone limits, select models, excludes taxes, require payment of first month service. $40 plan includes 500 megabytes a month high speed data. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. Additional terms and restrictions apply. See participating dealers for details.
5: If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4.
6: I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled. For more information
5: or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at ReliefFactor4.com. That's ReliefFactor4.com.
0: Join Rudy Maxa, call 800 387 8025. You can email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Now back to
2: Rudy Max's World. It is 18 minutes after the hour, and this segment of Rudy Max's World is brought to you by Orbits.com, who says everybody knows vacations are instantly rewarding, instant relaxation, instant tan lines, instant margarita buzz. What about those instant tan lines? With the Orbitz Rewards program, the payoff comes just as quickly. You can earn free hotel nights or money toward your hotel nights faster when you earn rewards instantly at Orbitz.com by purchasing flights, hotels, and vacation packages. And you can earn even more when you book on the Orbitz mobile app. You'll receive 5% on hotels, 2% on flights. So join Orbitz Rewards today at Orbitz.com slash rewards and get instant vacation gratification. That's Orbitz.com slash rewards, or you can look under sponsors at the radio show website, which is RudyMaxa.com. Dot com. So my next guest is named Benoit Denize Lewis, and he was worried that his dog didn't like him enough. You know, so a lot of people, eh, people worry sometimes about their kids not bonding enough, not spending enough time with their kids. So maybe they take a trip. Well, Benoit decided his dog didn't like him enough, and he not only took a trip. Trip, he went across the United States in a camper with him. Am I right, Benoit? Benoit, uh,
7: yeah, you're right. I, uh, I, you know, I was in this stage where I was. Um, you know i was kind of depressed a relationship had ended i was i was worried that my dog didn't like me very much and the solution at the time seemed like uh, all right let's take some time off uh, drive around the country in an RV with my dog. And, you know, the, 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 book is, uh, is two things. It's really this personal journey that I take with my dog. And then this larger exploration of, uh, dogs in, uh, contemporary life. It's actually three things because it's also a travel book. And I'm, you know, I drive around the country, uh, for four months. So I'm writing about, um, the country as I go as well.
2: Four months. Well, this, uh, the website, by the way, is uh, travels with Casey. That's the name of, uh, of Benoit's dog, and uh, I like the website. It's, it's this is the book that all dogs are barking about. I I like that. Did, <laughs> so so when you set out, did you? Uh, I know you you write for the New York Times Magazine, uh, and did, did you set out to write a a book or even a magazine article about this, or was this just me yeah, and Casey yeah. on the road?
7: I I, I I had I um I had decided I was going to write a book about um dogs in contemporary American life, and and you know it was only a it was only sort of you know a few weeks before that it really hit me that on some some level that maybe i wasn't aware of consciously that a big reason <laughs> that i was doing this was uh, you know, to to bond and connect with my dog, and I, I went to see uh, before the trip. I had this funny moment where I go to see this uh, therapist in New York City who specializes in helping people with their dog issues. And uh, <laughs> you know, I I had I had really come just to interview him about you know what kind of crazy people come to come to see a therapist uh, because you know their dog issues. And very quickly, I realized I was one of those crazy people. And he very quickly turned the conversation <laughs> back around to me and to my to my, uh,
2: shortcomings.
7: Yeah. The ways that I was projecting onto my dog and expecting my dog to, to make up for, uh, maybe some emotional needs that I, (laughs) that I didn't get as a child. I mean, he, he went very, he went very deep, very quickly, um, into my story. And, you know, I, I think that there, there's a lot of truth to what he said. And I, and I told him, I said, well, you know, I hope this road trip is a chance for Casey and I to, 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 to get closer <laughs> and bonnet and he sort of said to me he said well you know you've had eight years to figure each other out what do you think a little road trip's going to do but actually it did it it, it really did um, change our relationship in some profound ways and and so it was I think it was the perfect journey for me to take um, at that point in my life. And then I also, you know, I wanted to learn from other dog people. You know, I met so many different kinds of dog people from dog rescuers to dog trainers, to people who, um, To pet psychics, to uh, Caesar Milan, to people who who go dock jumping with their dogs, to people who do yoga with their dogs, to people who to addicts (laughs) in recovery who 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 depend on their dog for um, for emotional support and it gets them gets them uh, keeps them sober. To 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 cops who uh, rely on dogs. So I really wanted to to really tell the full story as much as I could of the many, many fascinating roles that, that dogs play in our lives.
2: The book is called Travels with Casey. The author is Benoit Denise Lewis. I, uh, uh, the website by the way is, uh, travelswithcasey.com. I don't want to go to Dr. Phil on you here, Benoit, but <laughs> maybe if you had, uh, I mean, having been through a messy breakup about a year and a half ago myself, ha- maybe if you'd spent that much attention on your former love of your <laughs> life, <laughs> That would have survived too, yeah, you know that's
7: that you are going Dr Phil, but that 's probably true if i I could
2: say it might have been true in my case uh, <laughs> you know it 's a guy thing, I guess i don 't know yeah. anyway, yeah. back to the dogs, which is a much easier topic I find than men and women <laughs> um, dog okay so 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 you said you, wanted, you you sort of wanted to look at the role of of, of dogs in in America, and I guess you 've ex, ex, explicated, excuse me, many of those roles, but when you first said it, I thought, what do you mean the roles of dogs in America? We all know about the role of dogs in America. What did you discover new? I mean, I know about police dogs. I know about, you know, comfort dogs yeah. and so on, but what did you discover new in these travels?
7: Well, I, I think just the, 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 the variety of roles that they play from very practical ones to, um, very, uh, emotional ones. And I, I was interesting. I, I, sp- I spent a lot of time with people who use their dogs um, their, their dogs have jobs, so someone on a farm who who has wow. dogs to protect their their sheep uh, to police dogs to um, to other folks who who really rely on their dogs for a specific purpose and what was fascinating about I heard this again and again from people who, you know, they knew intellectually that their dog was a working dog and that there there had to be this separation. There had to be this – it wasn't the dog that you were going to cuddle with uh, at night. Um, You weren't really supposed to let them in the house very often. But even those people who knew intellectually that these dogs
2: were – Employees.
7: Yeah, employees in a sense. They really struggled with like not – Falling in love with these dogs, not Aww. sneaking them treats, not letting them on the bed at night. So I thought that was really interesting in, mm-hmm. in the sense that that you know in this in this time when you know dog ownership in this country has tripled since the 1970s. You know, we talk about our dogs um, being our family members and our kids, and I think that's that's really true. I, I was equally fascinated though. Um, and I write a lot about this in the book, um, by the other side of of the coin, and that's dogs who, you know, we talk about our dogs being our family members and kids, but there's still so many stray and feral dogs, dogs that are forgotten, dogs that are abused in this country. And I was fascinated as I was driving around the country just how many stray and feral dogs I saw, whether it was in uh, poor inner cities uh, in, in East St. Louis or it was on um, native reservations. I, I saw. I, I came upon dogs uh, on on these reservations um, everywhere. They're called Res Dogs, and they just sort of roam, you know. And I was fascinated by their stories too, and the connection between, um, you know, the fact that there are class systems for dogs um, as well, um, sure. just as there are for humans. And I ended actually ended up taking one of the dogs from the reservation in Arizona, um, a dog who I uh, not. Not very originally named Rezi for reservation, and uh, you know I took her for the second half of the trip, so I have this second dog uh, mm. for the second half of the journey, and she 's turned it she 's just an amazing amazing animal but i was I was fascinated by by the dogs that that maybe that don 't have homes um, i was I, I was fascinated by dogs who live on the streets with homeless people um, and, and their special bond. So I, I wanted to go a little deeper than the narrative of, oh, you know, we treat our dogs as our, as our kids, kids and our know. family members and write about um, different kinds of, of dogs in America.
2: Well, I asked Benoit if, uh, if Casey could join us, but apparently he had a date in Central Park this uh, today <laughs> and uh, couldn't, couldn't make it. In one minute, Benoit, we have one minute left. What would yeah. Casey say if he could speak and was on? What would he say about your trip?
7: You know, uh, I I met some some pet psychics or animal communicators <laughs> who who uh, who really deemed that they could understand what Casey uh, was saying. I I think he would say <laughs> that he. That he that he didn't love the RV and that it took him a while and that he was a little upset that I put him in there at first, but that eventually he loved the fact that every time we got out of the RV, we were in a new place in America with new people, new smells. Yeah, new um, smells. Yeah, yeah and I, and I you know he got to see the country in a way that was pretty amazing, and so did I. I got to visit all these places that I'd never been before, so it was a
2: pretty uh pretty rewarding experience. And where do you and Casey live generally? In New York, in Manhattan?
7: No, Britain? we're actually, um, I teach at Emerson College in Boston, so uh, ah, we live okay.
2: in Boston, yeah. Oh, you live in Boston. Okay, that's yep. a good dog city. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, Benoit, I, I wish you great success with the book. Um, Benoit's Thanks. book is called Travels with Casey. Uh, his last name is Denizet Lewis. It's hyphenated. Denize is spelled D-E-N-I-Z-E-T hyphen L-E-W-I-S. Again, you can check it out at TravelWithCasey.com. Benoit, thanks. Good luck with the book, and good luck with Casey. I'm glad you guys, you know, I love happy endings. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. See ya. Take care. Yeah. You're listening to Rudy Max's World. Glad you are. There you go. If you have a dog, I'm sure you can identify with exactly what our guest said. Coming back, we're going to talk about whether cargo on planes gets more respect than passengers. Don't go away.
0: Rudy Max's World is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com.
5: If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4.
6: I was in a sawmill accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled.
5: For more information or to order Relief Factor 4... Go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com.
0: Heartburn sufferers can now eat at the corner of look spicy. And I'm going in. That's because Walgreens makes it easy with new Nexium 24 hour. Now, the number one prescribed acid blocking brand is available without a prescription for frequent heartburn. So swing by Walgreens. You'll be in and out with the protection you need to spice things up. Walgreens, at the corner of happy and healthy.
8: May take one to four days for full effect. Use as directed to treat frequent heartburn not for immediate relief.
0: participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to
2: RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. 33 after the hour. Marissa Garcia is uh, based in Denmark, and she's a 20-year, at least we reach her today in Denmark, a 20-year aviation veteran um, who writes about aircraft interiors, among other things, has a website called Flight Chic, C-H-I-C, flightchic.com. And uh, she recently did an interesting article comparing how airlines regard freight versus passengers. Marissa, nice to have you here. Do you live in Denmark? Are we reaching at your home?
8: Yes, yes, you are. (laughs) Thanks
2: for having me. Nice to have you here. Let me just, it seems to me from having uh, read your writings that if every passenger airline stopped carrying passengers, and just loaded their planes up with cargo, they'd make a lot more money. Is that a fair conclusion?
8: Not entirely. Um, I think it's a balancing act. Uh, the idea of the cargo for the airline is to supplement and uh, it's almost to reach that, that profit zone that maybe passenger aircraft can't always get them. But, no, the idea is to serve passengers and, and to uh, carry people on board. Um, sometimes, if the uh, premium seating does well, then, you know, they, they probably don't need the cargo, but it's always nice to have.
2: And and, uh, But I gather on, on a per-pound per basis they'll, they'll make a little more on cargo, plus nobody ever complains or files complaints with uh, about the airline or <laughs> says the coffee's too cold or whatever. Um, but is is... Let me ask you this. I often read articles where airlines say, you know, we're we're hardly making anything. I mean, we have to fill that plane up. If we don't have 85% capacity on the plane, we don't make any money. When they say that, are they including revenue they're getting for carrying mail and cargo, or are they just looking at the passenger uh, passenger seats and uh, multiplying that out and crying wolf?
8: That's a really good question. Um, I think that, uh, on the whole, when they say that they're divided into the two different revenue streams, that's just based on what IATA reports, because they report that uh, revenue stream separately. Uh, so, when they say we're making uh, $6 a passenger right now, um, they're referring to the passenger seating sales, and then they refer separately to the amount of money uh, that they make by by poundage in the cargo. Um, so yeah, I think that um, overall, though, when you combine it, uh, you, they really do need to have that eighty percent or higher um, seating, uh, space. Right. Otherwise, right. it's not a profitable flight, and they need to have cargo on board in order to make up for, for um, the shortage.
2: Now, you didn't mention and that six dollar right? And, and you didn't mention that six dollar profit per passenger head uh, by chance. That is an actual number that airlines often claim. Correct.
8: Yes, um, IATA is an organization of about 240 of the world's leading airlines, and uh, they do a, a great uh, number of statistics on uh, reporting on, on the airline's performance. So it's a good gauge. It's not an absolute. Uh, there are a lot of airlines sure. who don't report through IATA, but it's a good gauge of, of where things are, um, and they, they're they currently reporting $6 a head uh, or a seat, if you will.
2: Boy, if you take that uh, on average. Much, really. No, it's not, Marissa. If you take that on average, uh, Uh, The federal government takes more than that out in taxes often on airline tickets, so they're making more money on the flight than the airline is on your travel, you know?
8: Yes, and that's that's actually one of the arguments that um, organizations like Airlines for America are making in terms of the new pricing issues, um, separating out the taxes from the ticket prices, because they want to highlight that to passengers. They want to make passengers aware of, of how much taxation is on them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't think many of us think about when we're flying commercially that in the cargo hold of that plane might be newspapers going from Washington to L.A. or vice versa or even to London. Uh, would we be surprised, would the average traveler be surprised at what is in that cargo hold? I think so.
8: Um it, it, it can be so many different types of things, uh, medicines, uh, food supplies, um, uh, goods, any uh, retail goods, um, and uh, component parts for manufacturers, and as you said, newspapers, magazines, things that need to get there, and, and the regular uh, post-mail service. So, yeah, it's a lot of interesting things to get into inside this the cargo hold.
2: Mar- Marissa, did you forget snakes on planes, too?
8: <laughs> they do and andggiese and cats and <laughs>
2: yeah they do uh, oh,
9: there
2: so there are often exotic animals on airplanes, particularly coming from overseas, and passengers have no idea that under their floorboards is sleeping who knows what right
8: And luxury cars, you know, some of the larger aircraft uh, carry really large luxury uh, cars underneath
2: too really, a passenger so plane some passenger planes can carry cars. A car?
8: Yes. Well, if you think about it, A 380 for example, it's got a very large space in there, and I saw something like that in the in the Middle East where someone was uh, uh, carrying a luxury car inside the, the hold of a large aircraft.
2: Did you gather it was it was accompanying somebody on the plane, or it was just a car manufacturer shipping it to someone? I guess you had no way of knowing, right?
8: Yeah. I did. Yeah, I really didn't know, but I would imagine it was a special order.
2: I would like so, to think it's it ex- one way to get
8: it there.
2: <laughs> I would think it. I'd like to think of it as excess luggage when I fly. If I were fabulously wealthy, <laughs> bring along the rolls. What the hell? <laughs> exactly. Marissa Garcia covers the aviation industry. Check out her website, flightcheek.com. Um, she deals with aircraft interiors. I'm looking at her website now. Uh, new aircraft coming online. United Airlines, of course, just bought that new uh, big uh, big Boeing jet. Marissa, thanks for dropping by. Fascinating. Thank you. Marissa Garcia is a, uh, our guest. Stick around. We'll be right back here in Rudy Maxa's world. Don't go away. We're going to talk about those Legos lost at sea. Call now to talk to Rudy Maxa at
0: 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info
10: at rudymaxa.com. Do you live with stress? If you have nervousness or common everyday anxiety, we're looking for you. Because right now we're sending risk-free supplies of a fast-acting supplement to listeners of this station. You heard right. Every listener who calls right now will learn how to get a risk-free bottle of Stress Block, A naturally derived formula that promotes feelings of calmness, alertness, and focus in just moments. Supplies for this risk-free offer are limited, so don't wait. Just call 1-800-501-2690. Stress Block is a fast acting non prescription formula to support relaxation without causing drowsiness. Your nervousness is guaranteed to begin fading like magic in just minutes. This special risk free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Call us now for this exclusive Stress Block risk free offer. Just call 1 800 501 2690. That's 1 800 501 2690. Call 1-800-501-2690. We
0: all know the Internet connects you to everyone. But ever think how the Internet also connects everyone to you? It's a recipe for identity theft. Thieves can get to our personal info with just a few clicks. So isn't it crazy not to have identity theft protection? I know I've got all kinds of sensitive information floating around online. The good news is you can help protect yourself with a free trial from Identity Guard by visiting IdentityGuard.com
4: slash free. It's time to break up with your current phone. For a limited time, you can get a free 4G LTE phone when you switch to Boost Mobile. That's right. All you have to do is switch. Now, don't worry. Your current phone isn't going to be mad at you. Jealous, maybe, but not mad. It doesn't have feelings under that screen. It's just a bunch of parts. Plus, Boost Mobile has plans starting at only $40 a month with unlimited talk, text, and data. Seems like that's something you could take home to mom. So go ahead and leave your old phone for a new phone with a better plan. Your old phone will never know, but your wallet will. Get a free 4G LTE phone when you switch to Boost Mobile. Plans start at only $40 a month with unlimited talk, text, and data. So you never have to hold back. Visit your local Boost Mobile retailer for details. Boost Mobile. Promotion valid until 9 30, 14 at participating dealers while supplies last and only for new monthly activations porting in from non-Sprint-related carriers. Free phone limits, select models, excludes taxes, require payment of first month service. $40 plan includes 500 megabytes a month, high-speed data. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. Additional terms and restrictions apply. See participating dealers for details.
5: If you've got aches and pain and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation. Listen to Dave talk about Relief Factor 4.
4: I was in a sawmill
6: accident and suffered with pain and discomfort for 60 years. I heard about Relief Factor 4 and decided to order it. And in four days, I was walking without a limp and without pain. I am thrilled.
5: For more information or to order Relief Factor 4, go online at relieffactor4.com. That's relieffactor4.com.
8: Get out the map. Get out the map. And lay
1: your
0: finger anywhere down. To participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to rudymaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa.
2: We promise on this show to we promise on this show to consider travel in all kinds of different iterations and I'm fascinated by folks who follow the drift of Cargo, well, let me put it simply, generally, cargo that's been blown off sh- cargo ships, whether because they hit the rocks or because of strong, wet, big waves. Tracy Williams is a British writer and a beachcomber and creator of a Facebook page that is just it's called Lego Lost at Sea. Lego as in Lego blocks. And uh, I'm delighted to have her join me. Uh, Tracy, th- tell us the history of these Lego blocks that have been washing up on the shore, uh, washing up on shore in your country, the United Kingdom.
9: Okay, it all started back in the late 1990s, and I used to take my children beach combing. We had a, a family home on the clifftops in South Devon in England, and we often used to go on the beach for treasure hunts, and we started to notice little bits of Lego washing up, and there were flippers and spear guns and the occasional octopus and dragon, and we became intrigued.
2: Wait a minute, these, when you say spear guns and octopus, these, these are Lego blocks shaped in those yeah. shapes?
9: <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, there are not many blocks coming up so far. What we're mainly finding is little Lego items, so things like the spear guns and the flippers.
2: So it's a nautical themed Lego product that's washing up on shore.
9: Mainly nautical themed, yes. Okay. Yep. And, uh, yeah.
2: and you sure know the where tanks. the you know you know where these you and others know what ship this came from and what happened and when, don't you?
9: Yes, it's uh, it, it come from a ship called the Tokyo Express, and back in 1997, it was hit by a huge wave, and 62 containers fell off the ship, and one of them contained nearly five million bits of Lego.
2: <laughs> five million nautical-themed Lego blocks. And, and they're
9: not all nautical themed. Most, most of them are. Some, most of, the, some of them, them are. are pirates, okay. some of them are aquanauts and some are Wild West.
2: And and I understand from reading some clips on this, Tracy, that... that well, let, let's put it this way. Where was that ship when the waves hit it? What part of the world?
9: It was 20 miles off Land's End in Cornwall, England.
2: And I gather that this flotsam of Legos has gone around the world either once or twice now, thanks to the ocean's currents. Is that correct?
9: Well, we took... We should... Facebook page, because we were intrigued to find out where it was turning up, and oceanographers had predicted it would eventually reach the U.S. and perhaps, you know, travel around the world. And I did actually have a call from somebody in Australia uh, last month who'd found a little tiny diver's flipper, and we do wonder whether that has come from the Tokyo Express. The uh, oceanographers think it is possible that it could have gone all around the world by now. Well, that's that's what...
2: In seven, 17 years. Well, that's what fascinates me because, I mean, I'm sure oceanographers, I mean, this is as simple as ABC to them, but I don't think a lot about ocean currents, or when I do, I tend to localize them in my mind. But the fact is that ocean currents are all linked all around the world and pass off junk or nautically themed Legos to each other, and so these, these this flotsam and jetsam can travel around the world. Is that a fair that's- submission?
9: Absolutely, and we do pick up a lot of uh, slots from the U.S. and Canada here in Cornwall. We get a lot lot of lobster fishing gear, lobster tags, and also octopus pots. all sorts of things from all over the world come here.
2: And I know the West Coast of the United States is is either has seen or is still waiting for some of the uh, result of that tsunami in Japan uh, to bring that stuff over uh, to our shores. Um, Have you seen any of that in the U.K.?
9: I have. I did actually find a little Japanese pot recently. It was a little jar from a of sea urchins from a tiny village in Japan, mm. and I did wonder, you know, where, where that had come from.
2: Yeah, ex- exactly. I, uh, I, 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 did you do this as a hobby, or is this has this become a particular fascination?
9: <laughs> well, I, as, as I say, I, I set up the page because I was intrigued, and I, I, I run a beach clean group, and. Uh, Ah. Other friends of mine run beach clean groups too, and we'd noticed the Lego turning up on different beaches. So we set up the Facebook page to really see if we could track, you know, how far it was spreading and how much was turning up. And it's, you know, it's it's turning up in quite big quantities now. Now that we're actually mapping it all,
2: the website. Excuse me, it's not a website. It's a Facebook page. It's called Lego Lost. (laughs) I'm sorry. Lego Lost at Sea. Lego Lost at Sea. Tracy Williams is the woman behind that. She's a British writer and a beachcomber. And I went on that site the other day. It's just fascinating. I hit the like button. It's just it's just amazing. There's this subculture of folks who watch the, uh, uh, as I say, flotsam and jetsam that lands on beaches. Tracy, I think a 17-year-old Lego stuff going I mean, I just think it's fascinating. Thank you for filling us in on it. It's a
9: pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: Take care. Tracy Williams, Lego Lost at Sea. If you spot some Legos, let Tracy know. Just go on the Facebook page and let her know. Interesting. Patrick Smith coming up next to give us his opinion. He's our Ask the Pilot guy about this whole leaning your seat back and coach controversy.
0: Rudy Max's World phone lines are open now, so call us at 800-387-8025. We'll be back after these messages. phone number to call the program is 800 387 8025. That's 1 800 387 8025. Or visit the show online at rudymaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa.
2: Welcome back to Rudy Maxa's world. You know, the topic du jour the past two weeks uh, has been this question about when you should or should not recline your seat in coach on commercial airlines. Even our friend uh, Scott uh, McCartney had a column on it in Thursday's Wall Street journal thought we'd go to a guy who flies a lot of planes and even though he is in the cockpit a lot i think he still flies coach to get to and from places patrick smith is the author of uh, his book uh, cockpit confidential and he is also the curator of the blog ask the pilot he's a frequent guest on the show patrick welcome back nice to have you here
1: Hi, Rudy. Uh, I do fly economy quite a bit, and and frankly, uh, I find this whole topic, this whole conversation uh, annoying. I mean, I I don't know why we're having this conversation, because it should really come down to simple etiquette and common courtesy. I mean, if if you've got a seat that has a recline function, it's yours to use to a point, and that point is when you're physically obstructing the person behind you. And what I do is I look behind me and size that person up. If it's uh, somebody big or unusually tall, you know, I'll ask, hey, do you mind if I come back just a little bit? Or in some cases, I just won't go back at all. And, well, I couldn't, um,
2: I couldn't agree more. I do the same thing. If it's a basketball player, I don't even think about putting it back. Um, and I also, you know, when I leave to go to the laboratory, I'll put it back up to give somebody a break.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'll always ask. If you're taking something out of the bin, you know, don't, don't use the person's uh, seat back as, as a support and, and, you know, go shaking and, and jiggling the thing and knocking their stuff over. You know, common sense, things like that. And, and also, to that point, if you do recline, you know, do so slowly. Gently, um, in, in my book, in Chapter 5, I describe the people I call assault recliners, who are those people who the minute the landing gear is off the ground come hauling back <laughs> and yeah. knocking your coffee over, or, or worse, clamping your laptop computer between the, the seat back and your tray table. I'm surprised more laptops aren't, aren't wrecked every day by this sort of nutcracker.
2: Yeah, as a pilot, have you had to, I mean, what, what, got, what put this on the, on the table two weeks ago was, was the Unusual uh, fact that two flights were diverted because of uh, contra-temps between passengers over somebody reclining their seat. Have you, as a pilot, ever had to intercede because of an argument like that, or because someone's using that uh, the, the knee defender, that device that that blocks people from uh, letting uh, reclining their seat?
1: No, I haven't, fortunately. Not yet, anyway. And, uh, you know, the knee defender's been around for 10 years or so, and, and seats have been reclining forever. So, why is this in the news suddenly now? As you said, it's because we had these uh, altercations that resulted in diversions. And for airlines, the, diversions are, are a big deal, they can be very expensive, especially if it's an international flight. The, the costs of, of rerouting passengers and crew and, and, and the logistics of, of you know, fuel and so on can result in, uh, can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for a single divert.
2: I'm just amazed. It must have been really bad to have to divert. I know one woman threw a glass of water in somebody's face, but geez, right. as you say, it's such a major thing to, uh, to divert. I think also we can uh, credit or blame, depending on how you look at it, the social media for making something that might not have gone noticed 12 years ago Um, a topic of of endless conversation around the globe.
1: Oh, par for the course there. And and meanwhile, you know, there's this idea out there that keeps being brought up over and over again that economy-class cabins are becoming tighter and tighter than ever before, that airlines are just cramming in more and more seats and legroom is shrinking and shrinking, and that's not really true. Uh, the average amount of legroom hasn't really changed over the past 25, 30 years. One thing that's happened is, is people have become larger. Yeah. But, you know, go back if you remember carriers like uh, People Express and the old Laker Airways. I mean, those were sardine cans, the likes that uh, we don't see today anymore.
2: Except maybe even Spirit Airlines. I don't want to name no. an airline specific. But, uh, <laughs> uh, now, but I understand that in, in most airlines, most major airlines, these knee defenders are, are, are against the rules, that airlines don't like people using them.
1: Yeah, and I think they should be against the rules. So you're using this device to impose your, uh, your feelings on somebody else without any sort of discussion or, or compromise. And then that's just not right. And I wish we could just uh, get back to, you know, just being courteous, using, you know, basic etiquette and common courtesy before we have to have rules enacted to take care of this stuff that should be just common sense.
2: Well, I'll second that emotion. I don't, want you, I don't want to let you go without at least asking you just for one minute uh, your thoughts on this, this uh, terrible story yesterday of this private plane that apparently took off from New York and uh, did not respond to uh, anyone's radio calls to them and eventually crashed. That reminds me of that sports fair, that golfer years ago, and, and, and uh, I, I'm guessing you would say the same thing. There was probably a sudden drop in cabin pressurization.
1: Yeah, Payne Stewart was the golfer. It appears that what we're dealing with is a depressurization that the pilot didn't deal with properly. Now, depressurizations, loss of cabin pressure, however you want to describe it, you know, whether it's a small plane or a 747, these things are not themselves catastrophic, provided that is that the crew deals with them properly. Um, you know, there have been commercial carrier accidents under similar circumstances. Go back to the Helios Airways crash uh, a few years ago, and, and maybe, for all we know, the the missing Malaysia Airlines Flight Three Seventy. But uh, yeah, right. the airline crews are trained uh, to react immediately to to depressurizations, to don their supplemental oxygen before troubleshooting uh, or breaking out the checklist because the time of useful consciousness, as we call it, can be just a matter of seconds. Now, the the pilot of the plane yesterday, maybe he was more experienced than the average private pilot, but that's no guarantee he was going to act with the the
2: urgency required. Well, a tragic accident. Hey, Patrick, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Anytime, Rudy. Thank you. Patrick Smith's book is called Cockpit Confidential. Check out his website, askthepilot.com. It's written for folks like you and me, not necessarily for the... Uh, aviation uh, experts Coming to the end of the hour Here at Rudy Max's World we are take a break For about six minutes And we'll be back With more travel talk
0: You've been listening To Rudy Max's World And as always You're hearing Must hear radio On the SSI Radio Network